Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. then uh, be uh, you have Facebook or something like that be checking Facebook for a notification from the church uh, because there will be a private uh, connect group group all right associated with the first apostolic church page because one uh, uh call it suggestion or something that people said that they would like to have uh, in connect groups is if they had access to the paper before the actual night of the thing and so that will be published in that private group for all of those i'll send out uh to everybody that's in a group or had been in a group i'll send out notifications to you and it's by invitation only that you'll be able to get into that group but there will be a there will be a, a digital a copy of the connect group paper there typically it's there by tuesday at noon typically that all depends on me but it's typically uh for our facilitators they usually got it by then and so typically it will be available by noon on tuesday and so that gives you at least a day and a half i guess uh for those that want to look over it and so what that means is when you come to group if you just want to look at it on your phone that's fine we'll still have some hard copies for people that may not be technologically savvy all right or those that just can't zoom in on their phone to see that print all right uh to still have some of those things here but that's for all those people that want to prepare and need to mull things over in their mind just a little bit more they're probably going to come with 11 page answers now as a result of it it's just going to get real long no and if you are not in a group or have not been here last time we were in a group, want to be a part of a group, we'll get you connected to a group. All right? Not Brother Malone's because he has too many already. But uh, we'll get you connected to a group. Amen. And uh, we'll, again, the objective of this is to connect uh, with God and His Word on a more intimate level and at the same time connecting with one another. Amen. John chapter 15. You're probably there by now also just forecasting little in the future. On December the 9th, that is a Thursday, you'll have your ladies' Christmas dinner. It's that time of year, folks. I hope you have your fork and your knife so you can walk around to all these different things you're supposed to go to at work and at, in your family and at church. I, 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 I say I kid with my wife, but, uh, you know, the song says this is the most wonderful time of year, but it is the greatest rat race. Honestly, it's supposed to be time to be a family, all that, but it's like you're going to this banquet, to that performance, to this program. Honestly, it is a little, sometimes it, it takes a little bit of the joy out of the season. So I'm going to try to smile, put another piece of meat in my mouth and swallow some baked potatoes, and, you know, so on and so forth. Uh, but that's on the 9th for the ladies on the 10th, which is a Friday. The very next night is the adult Christmas dinner. And both of those start at 6.30. Both of those start at 6.30. Amen. Try not to get too late on people's eating time. Some of you, though, might eat at 9 o'clock before you go to bed. I don't know. 
But nonetheless, John 15, verse number one. Let's get in this. Amen. We're going to leave you dangling in John chapter 15 tonight. We're not going to get all the way through it, uh, but we'll, we'll just leave you dangling there and we'll see you in the spring. All right. Amen. John 15, verse number one. Good to have everybody here. Amen. Our guests and uh, the farmers that's come out of the fields or everything else. Glad to have them all. Amen. I am the true vine. This is Jesus speaking. I am the true vine. And my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me and he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned, if ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. I, our subject matter tonight, you know, last a couple weeks ago I talked about that same spirit which was a song. And so I kind of have another song title, and I didn't want to get stuck in this song title thing. So I kind of prefaced it as Biblical Botany, which is the study of plants. Biblical Botany, it's all in him. All right. Bishop and Sister McGee. No, I'm just joking. Thought you'd come sing a few courses of that. And no, you'd had to have been here two weeks ago. I'm sorry. Amen. It's kind of like the inside joke if you weren't here. Go back a couple weeks and you'll see what I'm talking about. Let's pray tonight. Father, we love you, Jesus, this evening. I pray, oh God, that you're able to help us tonight, God, as you would open our minds and our hearts to your word. God, this is a forever settled word. It's settled in the heavens. God, settle it in our lives. God, here on earth tonight, help us, God, to glean from the scriptures. God, I pray, oh, Lord, God, we know, Lord, they are those by which, God, we should live and ought to live our lives. God, their blessing in them and life in them. God, we'll praise you and thank you, Lord, for what you accomplished, Lord, in this place tonight. In Jesus' name that I pray. Amen of the church. Say amen. Amen. You may be seated tonight. Biblical botany. It's all, it's kind of fun to say, isn't it? It's all in him. These eight verses is as far as we're getting tonight. I hope, I'm trying not to be redundant uh, or anything like that, but there could be some redundancy and sometimes doing so helps uh, us learn. So, you know, it's been a, it's been a week, so I'm trying to get back in the saddle and all that. I, Monday I started to, I exercised, I didn't exercise all last week. And I usually exercise every day and on the elliptical every day. And so Monday I got exercised on the elliptical right where I left off. And uh, I was talking to myself on the elliptical about 10 minutes in and saying, you can do this. Don't give up because you lose a whole lot quicker than you gain. And that's a spiritual truth as well. Uh, but nonetheless, there is an analogy and an allegory uh, that is set before us here in these eight verses in this section of Scripture. Uh, Jesus is talking to us about a few primary players, uh, a vine, uh, branches, 
and the husbandman or the vine dresser. And so with these key players or these key entities in the story also come some other details about their functions. He talks to us also about the subject matter of, of pruning, all right, and bearing fruit, which all that kind of goes together in the subject. And we learn from the verses of Scripture in this analogy or allegory or metaphor or whatever label you want to try to put to it. It could fit really all three. But nonetheless, he, he equates the vine to something, the branches to something, the husbandman to something for us to relate to. He said in verse number one and also in verse five, quite clearly, Jesus said that I am the vine. I am the vine. So when you're thinking the context of this story and what he's relaying, he is the vine. He said that we, in verse number five, he said, ye are the branches. So the branches that are attached to this vine, that are connected to this vine, are us or the disciples that he was speaking to. And then he also told us in verse number one that his father, namely the spirit, was the husbandman. All right. It is the one that does the pruning or is the one that does the tending and the caring uh, for the vine and the branches. And so there is there is other this is not just in John 15, but there is other imagery very similar to this throughout God's word uh, that that's kind of disposed toward this vine and branches analogy or allegory. For instance, we read later in the epistles how the Bible portrays Jesus Christ as being speaking of a body being the head and that all of us are members in particular of this one body. And then there's another place in Scripture in the epistles where the Bible speaks how Jesus Christ is the foundation. He's the foundation that is laid that no man can lay. And then it speaks about us as building upon that foundation, some structure or some house as it were. And so in each of these pictures... Uh, that is related in God's word, there is pictures the idea of being connected to something uh, from which we derive our identity. In other words, uh, the, the branches get their identity from the vine and the body, of course, that has to have that connection to the head and so on and so forth. And that if you're going to have a house or any structure, it is imperative that you have a foundation. And so we derive our identity and our association and our purpose, even for that matter, uh, from these things. And so there is a dependency related here in the word of God, even in John 15, there is a dependency on what we are connected to. The branches are dependent upon the vine. The house is dependent upon the foundation. The body is dependent upon the head. And so there, it's what we are connected to. Or in reality, we begin to ask ourselves some questions. Really, what is a body without a head? Headless, of course. But nonetheless, what, what is a foundation uh, that, that has no house upon it or even a house that doesn't have a foundation? What is a branch without a vine? And I think Jesus summed it up best in verse number five. Speaking of our little allegory or, or analogy, Jesus says, without me, ye can do nothing. And that's the case in each one of those scenarios. Without him... We can do nothing. And so thus far in the gospel of John, we have read about different things up to this point. John is very uh, purposeful about saying this. We have read about the true light. We have read about true worshipers. We have read about a true witness 
true bread from heaven. This is all that we've studied so far in John. A true record, a true judgment, a true testimony. And now added to the list of verse number one of our chapter is the true or the genuine, the real vine. Jesus calls himself. He says, I am the true vine. And oftentimes when someone says, well, this is true, it makes you think that, well, there could possibly be one that is false. He says, I am the true vine. I mean, it's just kind of like in the book of Corinthians, it speaks of the Lord's table and the table of devils. It's like, well, if there could be a true, perhaps there could be a false. And while that may be correct and that may be right, Jesus is the true vine because he succeeds where the nation of Israel failed. And this is what I mean by that. All throughout the Old Testament scripture, Israel many times is pictured in the Old Testament as the vine. But throughout the Old Testament scripture, particularly in the prophets of like Jeremiah and Isaiah and Ezekiel, Israel failed miserably in that row of being the vine. She was planted, according to Jeremiah, it describes the nation as this. She was planted as a noble vine, but she turned into a degenerate plant of a strange vine. So she didn't fulfill her purpose as being the vine. Hosea said it like this. He said, Israel is an empty vine. She doesn't have any fruit. She's an empty vine. And so Christ comes in the New Testament and where Israel as a nation did not succeed in their purpose, Jesus Christ comes and presents himself. He says, I'm the true vine. Israel failed for years in being that, but I come to stand in her stead. And I am the true vine. Where Israel failed, I'm going to succeed. Plus what that means for you and I. If we are the branches of the vine, we succeed because he succeeds. We prosper because he prospers. If he has life, we have life as long as we stay connected. Amen to him. And so this supports then the idea and supports why any branch that does not bear fruit, verse number two, any branch that does not bear fruit will be taken away. Because in this sense, empty branches would be no better than a degenerate plant that Israel was as the vine in the Old Testament. And as we've seen in this study thus far in the Gospel of John, he is light, he is life, and he is full of that. And it will get in me. Someone say in me. It will get in me. It will get in you. It will operate in you if you stay connected and devoted to the vine. Amen. There's two type of branches that's described here in these few eight verses. The Bible mentions here that there are fruit bearing branches and there are non fruit bearing branches. When I say non fruit, it's not like they're bearing something that isn't fruit. I'm just saying they don't bear, they don't bear any fruit. So we have, we have branches that bear fruit and branches that don't bear any fruit. And the difference of the two is this. One gets cut off and the other gets cut back. One gets cut off and the other gets cut back. The branches, let's talk about those that get cut off. The branches that get cut off, the Bible says if that happens, if they are cut off, eventually they are going to wither. 
right? That's just common knowledge. I know this is real simple tonight, but when you gather sticks out of your yard, typically, if they've been there for a while, they're not oozing water from the tip, right? They're no longer green. They're brittle. They're dried up. They have withered because a branch is more apt to stay supple, if you will, flexible with life and water and sustenance in it, if you will, when it is connected to the vine. But if it's separated from the vine, separated from the tree, if you will, then it's going to dry up, it's going to wither if it doesn't stay connected. Jesus is doing this parallelism for us in these eight verses. I'm the vine and you're the branches, right? He's saying, I'm the vine. If you all on a very spiritual level do not stay connected to me and you're severed, you will eventually dry up, wither, wilt, perish, right? Because there will be no life flowing in you. Let's get it straight today. We cannot live a Christian, uh, Christian life successfully unless we stay connected to him. We can't expect to prosper. We can't expect. You, what you can't expect is to dry up and die if you don't stay connected to the source. Amen. Okay? And so we have to have that life flowing through us and in us. But here's the fact of the matter in verse number four. Our objective as a branch, because sometimes John 15 here gets all muddled, our objective as a branch is not to bear fruit. Let me say it more clearly like this. Our objective as a branch is not to produce fruit. Because as individuals, some people may be able to relate to us. I know as whole churches sometimes, people put undue stress on themselves and on the church because we think we're responsible for producing the fruit. John 15 has been misconstrued a lot of times. Many have made it only about whether you bear fruit or whether you don't bear fruit. But Jesus very plainly told them in verse 4, Except ye abide in me, and I in you, you cannot bear any fruit. The branch bears fruit because of what the branch is connected to. The branch bears fruit because of what the branch is connected to. The branch didn't produce the fruit per se. It bears or it carries the load of the fruit because it's connected to the vine. Verse 5 tells us we cannot, as a branch or as individuals, we cannot do anything. Everybody say anything. We cannot do anything on our own. And so my objective tonight as a Christian, my objective tonight as an apostolic church is not that I bear fruit. That's not my objective. That's not my goal. My goal should be this. Paul McGee needs to stay connected to the vine. As the apostolic church, we need to stay connected to the vine. Because if I'll stay connected to the vine, fruit will happen as a byproduct of that. Fruit. Oh God, Holy Ghost help me. Hallelujah. It will happen as a byproduct of what I am connected to, of what I am identifying with. Amen. So, orange tree on the branch because it's connected to a orange tree, right? Apple tree. I'm yet to see an orange on 
an orange on the branch that was connected to an apple tree. Unless it's some hybrid trying to take place. Or it's fake. Well, well, well. Let's not chase that rabbit. Amen. I like how the message states it in verse number five, and I'm just using a phrase. Saying that he abideth in me in verse number five. The message Bible says it like this. Make your home in me. Make your home in me. Because, like, there's no place like home, right? Huh? Even if you go visit somebody else's house, that's all grand and everything. But in your home, you're most comfortable. You're most comfortable in your home. He says, make your home in me. I want you to get comfortable in me. And whenever we talk about relationships with the Lord, and hear me very clearly, I feel like the Lord, well, I know he does every time, but he helped me today. When we talk about relationships with the Lord, I'm afraid, listen to me clearly, what some have called a connection is really just an attachment. Because there's a difference between a connection and an attachment. Connection is heart-centered, while attachment is mind-based. Someone with an attachment is an attached, when you speak of relationships, they're attached to an idea or a concept. They like the idea of the way something should be or ought to be. But true connection comes from letting go. Connection happens when there is a surrendering of all things that could hold you back. Jesus, help us. Attachment is really selfish. This is how I dream it should be here with us and ought to be. But connection is really freedom because you surrendered all things. See, now let's get back to the branches here of John chapter number 15. Branches can do nothing without the vine. We can do nothing without Jesus Christ. We must keep all things... A proper perspective. I am just a branch. I can do nothing without him. For sure, I can do nothing of eternal value without him. He produces through me. He produces through me. Now, now just walk with me here just a little bit here tonight. The branches do not eat the fruit they bear. You know. It would maybe make a nice animation film, but they do not eat the fruit they bear. Please just stay with me here just for a bit. The principle, I just asked Google today. I said, what is the purpose of fruit? Right? Like I didn't know. I know we, we get it for eating now, but what is the real purpose of fruit? The principal purpose of the fruit is the protection and the dissemination or the spreading, if you will, of the seed. When we talk about branches bearing fruit, again, it's just that. They carry the weight of holding the fruit. They carry the weight of holding the physical barrier. And they hold that in trust so that the seed or the seeds 
that's within that fruit that they're holding up is protected from the external environment during their time of development. So at the proper time, it can be released and it can be profitable. Note this here. Now, the Bible says in verse number eight, that herein is the father glorified that ye bear what? That ye bear much fruit. God is glorified when there are branches that can carry just stay with me when there are branches that's you and I that can carry the weight of physical barriers because that's what fruit is let me let me get it just a little bit further down in the book of Leviticus also in the book of Peter is a statement like this we know it we practice it but God said he said be ye holy for I am now again I'm a branch I can't produce holiness. But if I stay connected to him, it can be produced through me. And when it happens, I bear or carry the weight of a physical barrier. Hallelujah. There is a separation. There is this physical barrier, so to speak. And what is all of that about? Listen, folks, in many many regards, it is about the seed. It's about future generations because without the barriers, you mix and muddle with every other culture of society and your identity gets lost. You know how a nation that is about the size of New Jersey, Israel, has existed all of these years and their people through time from the Old Testament till now because they carried the weight. Of their culture and their God and their physical barrier. And they didn't mix and muddle with all the other nations around them. They kept a line in the sand, if you will, distinguishing traits that said these are who they are. And they have been able to exist while others have got lost because keeping the barrier ensured the seed for the next generation. Oh, yes. To carry on. So without barriers, there is, there is without the fruit, there is. And you say, well, Brother McGee, I thought it was for us eating fruit. This is really gross. But you eat the fruit, animals eat the fruit. And the hull of seeds mostly are so impenetrable that it's made to where it can go through your digestive system and be deposited in the land and still grow and produce what? Another tree or vine and fruit. So, biblical botany and biology. <laughs> And gross. <laughs> well, let's stay connected where we need to be connected. So how can we be connected? How can we stay connected to the vine? Or said differently, how can we stay connected to Jesus? One way I believe all throughout Scripture, and we are, we are admonished at different times concerning this, spiritual disciplines and other things that we ought to practice in our life are wonderful ways of staying connected to the Lord. That's why we try to emphasize from time to time about Bible reading. That's why the psalmist said in Psalms 119, which is all about the word and the law and precepts and things like that, which is one of the longest chapters in the Bible, that he says in there, thy word. Right, verse 11, have I, oh yeah, there's some Bible readers out there that I might not. That's a good way to stay connected, right? 
Because if you, 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 you don't keep that in your heart and you do sin against God and that causes enmity and division and you get separated from God. Daily prayer life. Huh? It's nice to have a communication. Stay connected to the Lord. Fasting. Church attendance. Worship. Right? Realizing a superior authority in your life that's greater than you are. It's a good way to stay connected. All these are ways that we stay connected. But again, bearing fruit is just a byproduct then of being connected to the vine. And the reason why this is a byproduct, consider this. When we read the Old Testament uh, that there was a little squabble about whether or not Aaron should be the high priest. And it kind of goes with the whole Dathan and Byram story and the earth opening up and swallowing a bunch. Right after that was this. Moses said, all you leaders of the tribes, he said, bring a rod, which is basically a piece of wood cut off from the land of the living, separated from its source. He said, you all bring that. We're going to bring all of these and we're going to lay them before the ark of God, the presence of the Lord. And in the morning, we'll see according to what happens, who the high priest should and ought to be. And in the morning, the Bible says that Aaron's rod, who was already high priest, had budded. The prayer was that that, you know, perhaps would take place. But what really happened in Scripture, when you read it, it's almost like three phases. It budded, it blossomed, and it also produced almonds, fruit. The miracle is that only happens when something like that's connected to a source. God Almighty. No one else's did. They were all cut off from what would be apparently literally from the source. But Aaron was still plugged into some type of source. Amen. And so it's a product of being attached or more correctly, as we've already learned, connected to the vine. So the question then that begs answering is this. How does a branch stop bearing fruit when it's connected to the vine? Because right, because the Bible kind of is describing God as the vine dresser going around, and He says when there is no fruit, He takes that that branch away. So like it stops producing fruit even when it's on the vine, and He takes it away. So how does that how does that happen? Just literally, there are several possibilities. It could be such as wind or disease or insects. But interestingly, just food for thought, a vine or a tree at times. Thins itself out. I'm not going to take this too far. To preserve the healthiest branches. Again, I don't want to take the metaphor too far and say, well, God doesn't care about the weak branches. All right. However, vines or trees have been known to discard branches that are receiving less light. Just hold on. In other words, if some branches positionally are taking in less light, they will most likely stop bearing fruit. And may even die. You always got to have yourself in a position. Jesus says, behold, I am the light of the world. You always need to have yourself in the position connected to the vine that you're getting as much light as you can get. 
Because branches exposed to less light turns into less fruit and eventually death if nothing changes or alters or happens. And the Bible says that the husbandman will take away the dead, the non-bearing branches, the non-fruit-bearing branches, and that when they are separated from the vine, the Bible says they are subject to the fire or they are subject to burning. Well, that's great. We, we talked enough about the non-productive. All right. I don't want to end on a bad note. So you would think that if you was a fruit-bearing branch, you'd escape the pruners. You'd escape the knife because you are bearing fruit. But we all know, if you know anything about gardening or plants or anything, you know that is not the case. Again, non-fruit-bearing branches are taken away, but fruit-bearing branches are pruned or purged. Why? To bear more fruit. There is a progression in these short little eight verses. He talks about those with no fruit. Then he talks about fruit. Then he talks about more fruit. Then he talks about much fruit. From none to much. Amen. Now listen. No fruit type branches. They get taken away. Primarily because they steal the life. Oh, God, help me. And the energy the other branches could be benefiting from. The fruitful, though, they get pruned. Amen. And the way to more fruit and the way to much more fruit is through the pruning process. Now, here's the thing. Who wants to be fruitful tonight? Everybody wants to be fruitful, but no one enjoys getting, enjoys getting pruned. Everybody wants to be fruitful, but no one enjoys being pruned. The amplified classical version of verse number two uh, portion there says, he cleanses and repeatedly prunes every branch that continues to bear fruit. And we as the branch sometimes, hey, buddy, why are you doing this? I'm bearing fruit. He says, yeah, I like that. But I believe you got more potential in you. So I'm going to cut you back a little bit to expose the potential. I wanted to say as I was typing today, I wanted to say, folks, don't worry about it. God's got your best interest in mind. And I've used that phrase before. But you know what? That's really a little bit skewed and wrong. It's really he has his best interest in mind. And in the end, the Bible says what? The father in verse 8 is glorified because the branches... Bear much fruit. Again, they don't produce it. They bear it. They carry the weight of it. And he doesn't notice. Notice now, we do pruning out here. Certainly this past year, just here recently we did. We do pruning out here. What I learned from pruning is this. It's not that you just prune what's bad. You prune what's good and what's better, hoping to get the best. You just mentioned, oh, he's just going to come and cut what's bad. It's not just that. He'll cut the good to get the better. Whew. Oh, God, help us. Amen. For what reason? That I can bear the fruit on my branch? Yes. But ultimately, he gets the glory. Because by the wisdom of the vine dresser, he knew where to cut, when to cut, how much to cut. Whew. 
could get the best outcome from the branch. Again, a few weeks ago, Sister Penrod and I asked her, I knew the season was changing. I said, you want to help me prune? Because that don't look like much until you're on your hands and knees. And uh, that day, she took care of all the variegated grass out there. And I don't remember how many there were. There's probably 14 or 15 of them. It's like giving a haircut. And then I went around on everything else. And so we were out there, and we pruned everything for winter. And I crawled around on my hands and knees for the better part of a half a day. And uh, every plant that I pruned, I touched virtually every shoot, every limb, every tendril that it had in existence. I mean, folks, except for rare occasions through the year, I never touch every single plant out there. But I did. I, I mean, normally through the year, I look at them. I appreciate them. Aren't they pretty? Amen. But I don't touch them. But when it comes pruning time, I must touch them for them to be productive next year. Warren Wiersbe perhaps said it best when he said this. Your heavenly father is never nearer to you than when he is pruning you. Mm. I touched every spare blade of that, 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 that maiden, whatever it is, called grass over it. I touched all that stuff. I just know the offshoot name, catnip out there. It always has bees on it. Touched all of those roses, got pricked by several thorns. That doesn't happen except at pruning time when I'm touching them. They could say that day if, if they had mouths that the owner, of the, or not the owner, but the pastor of that church, he touched every limb that I had. He inspected every area of my life. And I don't look very pretty right now. But spring's coming. I, I have on a little note card in my office on the bulletin board, I have a few little quotes or phrases or scripture that I keep on my bulletin board just to remind me of different things. Sometimes I look up there just for reminders. We all need reminders. And I have Isaiah up there uh, where Isaiah said of Jesus, and I use the NIV because the wording is just so potent. He says, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him. Speaking of Jesus, yet it was the Lord's will to crush I just keep that up there as a reminder for myself sometimes. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him. And likewise, I'll tell you, it is his will at times to prune you. Because he's the vine dresser and he's caring and tending to his vine and his branches. Now, listen, pruning isn't the Lord's displeasure toward us. Rather, it's his pleasure. He's pruning you because you are fruitful. And he knows pruning you is going to make you more fruitful. So during that time of pruning, we got to discern the difference between being cut off and being cut back. He's not cut you off. He's just cut you back. Someone say amen. Jesus said in verse number three, he said, you're clean through the words that I have spoken to you. 
word clean there is very similar to the word prune that he used in the in the other verse or purge in verse number two. Both from very, very closely connected root wise. Amen. That you are cleaner. You are pruned through the word that I spoke to you. Paul said in the book of Ephesians, he was speaking to the church at Ephesus. He said, God sanctified and cleansed his church. Look at it now. Ephesians 5 and verse 26. And it must be a miracle, folks. I had my text tonight and I've referenced a lot of scriptures I haven't thrown on the screen, but this is the only other scripture I'm going to throw on the screen. They probably had a heart attack thinking they only got two settings of scriptures from me today. Yeah, he's been gone for a while. Amen. Verse 26, that he, speaking of God, might sanctify and cleanse it, the church, with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself. Look now, what? Glorious church. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but, but that it should be holy and without blemish. There are times we leave this place, maybe on a Sunday night, and people joking, kid, and rib sometimes. Oh, you stepped on my toes. They're just joking. I mean, they're serious, but they're joking. They're jokingly serious, or they're seriously joking. You stepped on my toes. Well, I didn't step on their toes. God's word may have stepped on their toes because it washes us has the ability of going below the surface. Sometimes, listen, there's sometimes there's things that I get on my clothes that my wife's got to scrub at. Whenever I was a kid, I have a birthmark over from one eyebrow on my neck. Whenever I was a kid, a whole lot more prominence, like I had the country of Africa on my, on my neck. My mom always thought my neck was still dirty. My Robert, you didn't clean your neck, blah, blah, blah. Get that wash rag out. And she would come scrub sometimes, and I would be a redneck. That's how that phrase ever came about is from my mother cleaning my neck. But what I'm saying is some things are dirty enough that if you scrub long enough, it's going to rub you. (laughs) Probably going to feel like pruning. And I've read the word of God does that. I've read my Bible. I try to read my Bible through every year. And there are times whenever I sit down to read the Bible that it hits me, Sister Sheila, so squarely between my eyes in the moment that I am convicted and it prompts me to repent just from reading the Bible. I've read my Bible sometimes and there's tears streaming down my faces. Why? Because it's pruning me in the moment that I'm reading it. It's a mirror, as James says for me, and I behold what manner of man that I am. And I'm not too quick to walk away and forget what manner of man that I am. Been saddened by what I saw and what was happening, pruning, cleansing by God's word. I, pr- I think I've shared this years ago, but I'll share it again. In, in Hampton Court near London, there is a grapevine which is about 245 years old. And this is quite a feat being that most of them only last on average about 100 years. This grapevine has one root which is at least 12 feet around at its base, or 12 feet in circumference. Some of the branches go 120 feet long from the trunk. At different times, it's been showcased in the Guinness World Book of Records for having some of the longest vines known to grape vines. The vine grows on the side of the first greenhouse at Hampton Court. Since the beginning, there have been five to six greenhouses on that site. The branches of the vine become so entwined that the only way to move forward is just to build a newer greenhouse larger over top the old greenhouse. 
And though it is very old and its branches are very long, it still produces around 600 pounds of grapes each year. One year surpassed them all and they harvested an excess of 800 pounds of grapes. And even though some of the smaller branches are 120 feet from the source, the root, the main trunk, they still bear fruit because they're connected to the vine. That's a long distance, but it's a short distance when you still connect it. The challenge of these verses, of these eight verses that we read to you tonight, the challenge crops up in these verses over and over. I challenge you, go home, just read those eight verses again, and you're going to see this constant admonition, this constant urging, abide in me. If you abide in me, if you remain in me, about seven or so times, you're going to see those words pop up. Abide in me, the urging of remain in me, so on and so forth. Because here's the difficulty. Listen to me very clearly. The difficulty is not him in us. It's us in him. And if we ever forsake us being in him, we'll lose him being in us. And so he urges us, abide in me. Remain in me. Stay connected to me. Because if you lose that, you lose much. It speaks in like verse number, verse number 8 when he talks about that you bear much fruit and so shall you be my disciples. When it speaks of that, those are not two different actions, bearing fruit and then being his disciples. That's one action. In reality, bearing fruit is nothing more but external proof that you are his disciple. You are his disciple. And when the connection is there, We kind of gather this from verse number seven. Whenever the connection is there, he says, ye shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. When the connection is there, amen, our request and our prayers are just a little bit more effective when you got a connection. Huh? Because the husbandman, the father, takes care of the vine, right? But as a result of that, then everything else that is connected, if he's making sure the vine flourishes, then everything else that's connected to the vine is going to flourish. So I'm closing tonight with this. If you'll stand with me, you will find yourself very frustrated if you try to produce fruit without being connected to him. Folks, in reality, True case studies of being a pastor, I can't tell you the number of people sometimes have become so frustrated with their walk with the Lord because they've tried to do things without being connected. They've tried to live the life, walk the walk, talk the talk, without being connected. They tried to produce it on their own. But without him, the branch can do nothing. And so you'll live a life of frustration trying to produce fruit without being connected to the vine. So your objective needs to change. Don't try to walk to walk and talk to talk. Try to remain or get connected to him. And when you do, you'll find yourself walking the walk and talking the talk. Because it's all in him. So I'm saying, I, I need to bear more fruit. No, what you need is to be connected. You might need a little pruning too. 
But you need to get connected. Because Paul McGee can't do more. I can do nothing. I can't do more. I can't bear fruit of myself. The, the key word is I got to abide. I got to remain intact. I got to continue. I got to live in him, if you will. I got to live in his presence because it's all in him. Biblical botany. Amen. We close our eyes here tonight. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.